Hi, this is David Flowers, Senior Pastor at Grantham Church, an intergenerational convergent third-way congregation with the Brethren in Christ U.S., and located in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast and for following the sermons that I and many others preach at Grantham. This is a free podcast, and it'll always be that way, but if you'd like to give and help further the work we're doing for the kingdom, we'd greatly appreciate it. If you want to do that, you can do that by going to granthamchurch.org and clicking on the Giving tab. Whether you're a member of our church or you're listening as a parishioner, it's our greatest desire that you would encounter Jesus and be changed by the good news wherever you are. Anyway, God bless you, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Gather, grow, give, go. Gather, grow, give, go. That is the message this morning. Uh, if you've been with us the last few weeks, you've noticed that I've been preaching some standalone messages through this month, and we'll continue to do so today and, and then next week before I go on vacation. Uh, we'll also have some standalone messages in July. We'll have some guest speakers in there. Uh, Pastor John Yates will be preaching. Uh, Phil Thorne, many of you know Phil Thorne. He will be with us as well. And then Pastor Melissa. So there's some things that you have to, to look forward to. So even though they've been standalone messages this month, there is a bit of a flow and a connection to these. I hope that you've been seeing that. A couple weeks ago, we looked at Jesus and the selfless life. We talked about how our culture is really consumed with self, this hyper-individualism that threatens New Testament church life, and really what the Lord wants for us as healthy and whole human beings. And so last week I said we were created for community, and that community is the church of Jesus Christ, God's family, and that through the church, this is how the Lord is changing the world. If we can grasp the eternal purpose, if we can catch this magnificent vision of folks who have one Lord, one baptism, one allegiance, right? Regardless of our differences and, and our variety, we come together around those things and we show the world who God is and what God wants for creation. It truly is powerful. So we can't abandon that eternal purpose in grand vision. The church, we said last week, the ecclesia, literally the, the called out ones, is God's idea. Jesus said, I will build my church. That's Matthew 16, verse 18. And so if you've grown up in the church or you've been a pastor or a leader in the church, I'm sure there's been a time, if you've spent any length of time in the church, you've thought, this is just a mess. Can this really be God's eternal purpose and plan that the, the church is supposed to bring about the kingdom of God? And I would say to you this morning, yes, it's not my idea. Uh, it's not any author's idea or any other leader in the world today. It is God's idea, and so we need to be committed to it and try to understand it and what our part is in it, what our role is in it to make the church all that the Lord wants her to be. And he also said, Jesus said that we're to make disciples and proclaim the good news. Make disciples and proclaim the good news. So what does that look like? I want us to think about that this morning. What does it look like to make disciples? As a Christ-following community at Grantham Church, what does Jesus want our church, his disciples, to be doing? And what should our family life look like week in and week out? This message, I think, in a lot of ways is pretty basic. 
But I think we all need this reminder, and some of us need to be challenged a little bit this morning to put things in perspective. So think about this. Every family needs routines and rhythms. Uh, We just went through a pandemic. We're still not quite out of it, but we're on our way, right? And one thing that we noticed right away was how it threw off all of our rhythms and routines, among many other things. And so as, as your leadership here at Grantham Church, we were quickly trying to find a way to develop some new rhythms and routines until we could get back to what felt more familiar. So we set priorities. We have beliefs and values as families. We have a calendar that we live by, and we have a weekly routine that we follow. And of course, there are different seasons in the year, uh, different seasons in life, so things do ebb and flow. They change a little bit, but still, some routine and rhythms exist. We need them to exist because human beings Families and communities all need to utilize these things to give us meaning. They give us meaning. They give us purpose. They give us peace, at least access to God's peace and stability and a way of orienting our lives to what is most important to us. Uh, They sort of set up the gravitational center and pull. All our lives revolve around whatever our rhythms and routines point to. All right, so think about that. What we love and what we value the most. What is at the heart of who we are and who we want to become? That's what our rhythms and routines should be doing for us. Now, if you stop and think about that, some of us have rhythms and routines that don't point us to Christ in His church at the center. And so I want to challenge you this morning if that's not the case, because I really believe, I really believe this, that true abundant life is found when Christ and the church is at the center. Now, we know that this ought to look different. We've, we've talked a lot about moving out of a Christendom age and to a, a post-Christian age where the church ought to be less attractional, that is, we build it, they come, come and get what we are offering to a going, to a sent, to a missional church. Now, there is a spectrum, right? We need some attractional stuff. Sunday morning is an attractional event. But we need to be thinking in a post-Christian society and culture what it looks like more and more to be sent as the church and to go as the church. Of course, that's where we'll end up in the message today. So it's important to stop and think about this because we don't become disciples without intentionality, nor does the church fulfill its purpose without checking to see if we have the tools and the resources that we need to be faithful to Christ and can follow some basic steps in living out the mission of God. It works this way with any task or any project. If you think about it, uh, we're not… always thinking about those steps, but it's true. We're always following simple steps uh, to complete a task or project. We just do it. Some things require more thought and planning, though. Uh, For example, I recently uh, got the help of my father-in-law to rebuild my raised garden bed in the backyard. That's mine. Now, Dwayne Asper will quickly tell you I did not do this all by myself. I mean, Dwayne was actually surprised. Dwayne, where are you at? Are you in here? Dwayne was actually, I'm going to pick on him for a second, he's in the back. He was surprised. I was looking for a weed eater head this past week because mine, mine broke. Actually, some parts in it. I had to replace the whole thing. And he wanted to know if I did all of that myself when I found the part that I actually put that thing. I said I did. And he shook my hand. 
You saying that's not my gift, Dwayne? Uh, Dwayne knows I've called on him quite a bit when something breaks down or I need help fixing something. It's just my, my dad uh, still grieves that today. He was a carpenter. I just don't have uh, those, those kinds of skills. They, they don't come naturally. A lot of it is I don't have the patience for it. Uh, but YouTube can cure anything, right? Just look it up on YouTube, learn how to do it. So I recently, uh, with my help of my father-in-law, as I said, rebuilt this raised garden bed. Uh, this, it was dilapidated. It was rotten, so I had to tear it down. I had to figure out, I had to plan ahead and figure out what lumber I needed. I was worried about the cost, especially today, but it wasn't quite, quite so bad. So I needed to figure out the lumber. I needed the tools. And I didn't have the tools. I just happened to be in conversation with someone uh, a, a, a week or so before this. And they said, I have the tools that you need is Bob O'Donnell. Some of you may know Bob in our church. I think I saw Marnie here earlier. Uh, so, so Bob let me borrow all of his tools. I got the help. I didn't have a truck. So Dwayne let me borrow his truck. That's how he knew I was doing this. And so we went to Lowe's. We got the parts. And over the next week, we, we rebuilt this thing. And so if you think about it, you, you, you think through these steps and you think through the rhythm to carrying out a task that that can be helpful. I mean, if I didn't have a plan and I just went, you know, and just started buying random things, I might overspend or find that I don't have the tools and the resources that I need. And that's why I'd like us uh, to think about this today, to think about the basic steps of being the church together, the circular rhythm and routine. And it is circular. Right? It is circular this morning as you look at the gather, grow, give, and go. How do we do church? How do we cultivate God's garden, if you will? Let's think about that. And we can sum it up this way. Gather, grow, give, go. Let's look briefly at each one of these and listen for how the Spirit is inviting us to live into this rhythm at Grantham. So let's start with gather. I said last week we looked at uh, created for community, and we talked about how we need each other. First uh, Peter chapter two verse four and five said that we are like living stones being built into a spiritual house. Now the New Testament uses all kinds of metaphors to talk about the church. Uh, Peter's uh, metaphor here is the building of a spiritual house. And so we get this image that Jesus is the master builder. He's the stonemason. We are all like little stones lying on the ground. He picks us up and he says, I need to fit you into my building. You have gifts, you have skills, but you're not quite what you need to be. So I'm going to take out my chiseling hammer and I'm going to chisel bits and pieces off of you, right, to fit you into the larger building. That's beautiful. It's a beautiful image. We're like living stones being built into a spiritual house. And so in order to do that, there has to be a connectivity, right? There has to be community. Now, look, Jesus himself, uh, contrary to what many of us want to think, was religious. And Jesus was committed to the local Jewish gathering, this synagogue. He was in synagogue every, every week. He was at temple when he could go to temple. So Jesus was religious and Jesus was committing to God's people, to God's gathering of folks who are always reminded of what they believe, what their hope is, the God that they worship, and who they're called to be in the world. We need that, those religious rhythms and routines. And he taught his disciples to do the same. And we can see this in the earliest chapters of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, that uh, really well-known passage, Acts chapter 2 there, it says that the early church met daily. Now, some of us are struggling just to pull that off once a week, you know, and then some of us an hour down to a couple times a month. 
but they met daily because they understood how important it was to have the liturgies and the patterns and the routines and the rhythms of the church if they were gonna have any hope of countering the liturgies and the formative patterns of the world. I mean, as soon as we get into our car and we turn on the radio, the patterns of the world are at work. We get at home, we binge on Netflix, we listen to the news, no matter what the station is. We go to a ball game and all of the little things they do before the game actually starts. All of these things are meant to shape us and to form us. So if we don't have the liturgies and healthy rhythms and routines of the church to counter that, guess who's going to shape us? The world will. So gathering is critical. That's why the author of Hebrews said this in chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Let us consider how to inspire, literally to spur each other to greater love and to righteous deeds or good works, not forgetting to gather as a community, as some have forgotten, but encouraging each other, especially as the day of Christ's return approaches. So what is the purpose of gathering? It is ultimately to inspire and to encourage each other in our pursuit of following Jesus together. Now, why might disciples, if you read this, you should think about this question. Why might disciples forget, or the New International Version says, give up meeting together? Why would that happen? Well, that could be a lot of reasons. As I said, competing liturgies. There are other priorities. Life gets busy and full. We go from Acts to the church meeting every day to Hebrews. Later in the first century, Christians are already starting to slack off and how they get together with one another. As we're going to see today, this doesn't just mean in the building. Right? They didn't even have buildings then. But this means gathering together with other Christians even throughout the week. That counts as being and doing the church as well. So folks, think about this. Think about this. I, I think this is really insightful. You know, one of the titles for devil, right, our, our ancient enemy, is diablos. That is actually what we translate as a devil. And it literally means one who scatters. One who scatters, tears apart, and scatters. The enemy is at work to scatter us. Now, do you, do you need any convincing that that's true when you look back over the past 15 months? The enemy, one of, its, one of his jobs is to scatter us so that we're not coming together to be God's people at the table of Christ. So as we saw last week, here is what gathering looks like. So when we're not scattered, but we're resisting those forces, we're coming together, it looks like working these spaces. And again, not just in the building of the church, but anywhere Christians can get together in the public space, the social space, the personal space, and the intimate space. Jesus worked all of these spaces, and he calls us to do the same. It's not only theologically true, it's sociologically true. We've been created to be shaped and formed in this way. We are called to work the spaces of the church because they're all different. You, th you think about it. I mean, we could try to pull off a Q&A or a Q&R this morning when the sermon's over, but it's not the best context, context for that, 
right? We need personal space to be able to listen to what we're hearing in the public space and then talking about it with one another in the personal space, which is what one of the things we're trying to accomplish through our sermon-based small groups. So we're not just hearing, but we are engaging and applying and say, what is God saying to me through this and what am I going to do about it? Uh, what does this look like lived out? This is why you can't be the church just by coming to the public space. We need all of these spaces. We gather in these spaces with other believers in and outside the building, as I said. Now, what happens when we gather and work the spaces? Why do we do this? We do this to grow. We do this to grow. As disciples, we're called to grow in Christ, grow in our knowledge of Jesus. We want to know Jesus more as a person, a relationship to be cultivated and share that relationship with other individual Christians so that together we can spur one another on in following him better. We want, as individual human beings, to each of us in our own way look like Jesus. Dallas Willard once, once asked, uh, uh, what, what is a disciple? He says, what it looks like if Jesus were you. What it looks like if Jesus were you. We don't want to lose your personality. We don't want to use your unique distinctiveness as, as how God made you to be. But there are parts of you, right, we're creating God's image and broken and not as we should be. And so that, back to that chiseling metaphor. Growth is about that. They're all individually growing, but growing together, being inspired together. Colossians 2.19, Paul said that individual disciples make up members of a local church. They were all like parts of a human body. We are all connected to the head, he says, who's Christ. Christ is the head of the body. Not me, praise God for that, right? But Jesus is the head of the local church. I love this metaphor. So we get the building, we're living stones, and then we get we're like all parts of a body and Jesus is the head. And so we gotta take care of the body. We gotta pay attention to how the body is operating and functioning or maybe not functioning. I'm watching now season seven of Alone. Anybody watching that reality TV show? All right, Brad, very good. It's a great show. And it's so applicable to what we've experienced in this past year to think about survival and what we are all capable of. The Lord's power certainly through us. And so I just watched an episode last night. One of them started to get uh, frostbite on their toe and had to watch that carefully. Right? And sometimes that happens to the body of Jesus and we need to give attention to where maybe disease is setting in. Because Paul said, from the whole body, supported and held together by its joints and ligaments, the body grows as God causes it to grow. Any of you guys remember science class? You get this picture of a human body without skin and you see all the muscles and the ligaments and so forth. I mean, get that picture. We are all connected to one another in that way. And so while certainly America has taught us to say, I, I don't belong to you, Jesus is saying you do belong to each other. You're all connected to one another. And what you may think is just something inconsequential that I do as an individual person, even in secret, we are connected and it affects the body. So ultimately the spirit is the one who's responsible, praise God for this, for growth to happen. Remember what Paul said once, so-and-so watered, I planted, so-and-so watered, God makes it grow. God brings the growth. God has growth happen. 
But, but listen, we're certainly called to participate in that spiritual growth. I had to build that garden with my father-in-law. I had to plant the things right. I had to make sure they get enough sunlight, and I had to water them. But ultimately, right, it's the way God created things to make them grow. Remember, there's an order. There's an order. Like growing a garden, or to use Paul's metaphor, how our body functions, listen to what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 11 through 16, he said, So Christ himself gave the apostles, starting with the 12, those first apostles. Actually, that means sent ones. Christ will send them out. They're the pioneers. They're the church planters. He gave the church apostles, prophets, so people who see the bigger picture. These aren't folks that necessarily predict the future, although that sometimes is a part of prophecy. But those who see the bigger picture and call God's people to repentance, call God's people to return to Him. He also gave evangelists. Uh, This is where we get the word good news from, those who share the good news and are breaking into new territory with the gospel. And the pastors, literally the shepherds, and the teachers. Now notice that five-fold ministry. I could preach a whole sermon on that this morning, but I'm going to just point out to you that this five-fold ministry, the, the, the church requires this as the foundation. Verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We can think about that as the larger universal church, right? The Holy Catholic Little C Church. Or you can think about this as the local congregation, which Paul had in mind to the church of Ephesus. That Jesus has a desire for every local congregation that they would mature and grow into the fullness of what it looks like when we are Christ's hands and feet in our community. Isn't that a beautiful picture? So notice here, a couple things. The leaders don't do all of the ministry. Their primary task is to equip and empower the church to do the ministry. And secondly, the goal is for each individual disciple to reach his or her fullest potential so that the congregation as a whole does the same. That's your part. That's my part. This is how we do church together. Look at verse 14. Then, Paul says, when that happens, then we'll no longer be infants in the faith tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. This, this tells me that they must have been dealing with something like that as Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians. We, we have to grow up. We have to be prepared for the storms, Paul says, that will come by the world. Verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, there it is again, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. Look at that, as each part does its work. So get this picture. See the interconnectedness and the dependency that we have on each other for the church to be healthy and whole. Like a building of living stones or like a body with many members and parts. For the church to grow in Christ and carry out the missio Dei, God's mission in the world. Paul said each 
part must do its work. We all have a role to play in the mission of the church. Do you believe that? Say amen. I have a role to play. You have a role to play to make the church work. And so don't miss this because American consumerism and hyper-individualism has conditioned us to see the church like any other service provider. And folks, that's where we go wrong. This is American consumerism having its effect on your mind when you see the church that way. We do not gather with the church to consume religious services and goods. That is not a New Testament view of the church, and it doesn't reflect the self-giving love and servant leadership of Christ, as we can read about in Philippians chapter, chapter 2. The church isn't your doctor's office. The church isn't your insurance company or your local grocery store, as much as we appreciate them. The church is me, and the church is you. We are the church. We are a family. And healthy families own what is working and what is not working. And then we grow and we press on together. Amen? This is how we work. We call ourselves a family. That's how families, healthy families, work. We press on together in love. As I thought about this uh, consumeristic mentality that many of us have when we come to church, I keep thinking about what JFK said in his inaugural address. See where I'm going with this? Seems to smirk, so you already know where I'm going with this. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you, uh, what you can do for your country. Remember that? Let's put it this way. I didn't actually have to create this. I found this online. Somebody else thought of it. Ask not what your church can do for you. Ask what you can do for your church. And that is the mentality that all of us, including your staff, your leadership, ought to come to the table with, that mentality. What can I do to make the church all that Jesus wants her to be? Why? Because this is reflective of the mindset of Christ. And it's the one that leads to real church health and to growth in God's time. So we gather, we grow, and next, we give. You know, there are lots of ways to give and serve the body. As you've heard me say, and I think Pastor Melissa said this already this morning, God calls us to give our time, to give our talents, our gifts and skills, and our treasure. That is sharing our financial resources because this is a testimony of faith and where our faith lies when we do this, right? For the ministry of the church, to bless those who are a part of our family as well as those who are within our sphere of influence beyond our walls. The church doesn't exist for herself, but the church exists for others. How is God calling you to give and to serve? No matter how large or small you think the gift is, right? Jesus told a story about that, about a widow. You remember that? and what she gave. And it was larger than all the others who had plenty but did it with a poor attitude. Your little piece can go a long way. It's what the kingdom is made of. No matter how large or small you think the gift is, it is vital to the life of the church. Again, listen to what Paul wrote this time to the church in Corinth. He said there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. 
There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. So he says you may be different, you may have a different gift, you may work behind the, ste- the scenes, you're not on the stage sort of leading where everybody sees you, it doesn't matter. Uh, Paul will ultimately go on here in this passage and say that the hand shouldn't want to be the foot, you know, and the foot shouldn't want to be the head. No, we all have a part to play. You say, Pastor David, I'd really like to know who the rear end is. Don't ask me that question. I'm not going to tell you. But you can believe there are some. <laughs> Hey, Paul, Paul said that himself, right? He said, he said some parts we have to keep covered because that's where they're at. You hear me? That's where they're at in their growth. But they're part of the body. So even if it is a, like a part of your toe, like this, this uh, young lady on the show alone who's got frostbite, right? we have to give attention to that. We just have to step it up. Clean yourself up. Be all that God wants you to be and serve the body. Just as the body has, is, is one, look at this, verse 12, it has many parts, all, its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles. So no matter your ethnicity, no matter your status, look at that, slave or free. Doesn't matter your status or your ethnicity, right? The color of your skin or your traditions and your customs. We were all given the one spirit to drink. The, 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 what do we say? The ground at the cross is level. It, it is level at the foot of the cross. Even so, Paul says, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. You know, recently, I've talked to some folks in our church who've expressed a desire to serve here at Grantham. Had someone that came up to me and said, Pastor David, I like to teach. And I'm interested in teaching a learning community maybe in the fall. Do you have a place for me? Somebody else said, Pastor David, I'm listening for how God wants me to use my gifts at Grantham. What might be some avenues that I can do that as I prayerfully discern what God wants me to do? And then just, just uh, recently, someone said, I was in conversation with them, they said, I, I want to help. And folks, I wouldn't have thought of this as a, a person, this is a person that needed help. And they said, I want to help. He said, what can I do? I'll be honest with you, this person was living in their car. They said, I want to serve the church. What can I do? Is there some way that I can volunteer and give back here at the church? Now, folks, you better bet that the Lord blesses that kind of heart, that kind of spirit. Friends, as Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that's because it's in self-giving sacrifice. Remember two weeks ago, self-giving sacrifice and service that we are, number one, discovering the healing power in living for others and not ourselves. And then number two, that collectively through the work of the church, we can do far more together than we can in our scattered lives which is what the society and culture and ultimately the enemy behind the scenes is trying to do to us. Whether it's politics, whether it's your crazy busy schedule, whether it's sports, whatever it is. Look, good things can become an enemy of God and his mission. Don't let it happen. Be intentional. Know when to resist. 
and when to join the Lord's work in the building of the kingdom through the church. This, I know this is cliche, but it's true. Teamwork makes the dream work. He's like, is he really going to say that? Yes. Teamwork makes the dream work. That is why we give, and that's why it must be part of our rhythm. Gather, grow, give, and lastly, go. We do all of this. We gather, we grow, and we give, not just so we can have a nice Grantham Church family, but so that we can go with Jesus into the world so that others might know the hope of the gospel and the salvation that Christ offers a lost world. And maybe this is where the church of Christendom has failed, right? To see ourselves as the sent church. That the reason that we do all that other stuff, the reason that we gather, and the reason that we grow, and the reason that we give is not for consumeristic purposes and motivations, but it is so that we can then be the sent church and go out into the world and change the world through our lives. Amen? Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. Jesus said one of his last words on the earth. He said in verse 19, Matthew chapter 28, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. He didn't say teach them the sinner's prayer, right? He said, teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Teach them to follow me. Teach them to live like me in the world. And surely I am with you always. You're not alone. You're not alone. I will be with you to the very end of the age. Now, verse 19, go and make disciples. I think I spoke about this a few weeks back. Literally, this says, as you are going. Jesus is telling his disciples, when you leave this place and you go out into the world, this is what you need to do. Make disciples. Make disciples who make disciples who follow Jesus. We gather and we go to be a missional church that sees herself sent by Christ to live out our faith in the world. You see, the routine in the circular routine doesn't work if the going and the sending isn't there. Uh, we, you know, we reflected this in our bulletin. Um, and we may have that again sometime soon, <laughs> where you see that fourfold pattern of worship. Remember that? And the last one is the sending. Because this is what we do. We gather, we grow, we give, and we go. Because without the going, without the sending, and being the sent church, we are not fulfilling the mission, and we're not being a healthy and whole church as the Lord wants us to be. Let me summarize it this way. Let's summarize it this way. Some of you might want to take a picture of that. I'm going to get it in here. The purpose of the gathered church is for worship, community, and discipleship. We gather together so that we might be equipped, inspired, and empowered to be the missional, that is the sent church in the world. That is why we do everything that we do so that we can go out and be the hands and the feet of Christ. Now let me ask you, do you see your church participation in this way? Do you see what the leadership of the church, staff and board, are doing in this way? Do you see your part, your role, your being a member connected to the body in this way? Do you see that what we're doing at Grantham is ultimately for those outside of our fellowship who don't know Jesus? And look, we can't do this alone. Pastor Melissa and I have been talking about this. We need other churches. 
You know, there are certain folks that we can reach, but there are other folks that McBick can reach and West Shore can reach and other churches can reach. But we have a part to play. We need to work together in doing that. Do you see your job, your neighborhood, even your hobbies and your trip to the store as an opportunity to live out the gospel? Because that's why we're here this morning, so that you can do that well. As Teresa of Avila said, and we've, we've said this many times, we've even sung these words here at Grantham, Christ has no body now but yours, no hands and no feet but yours. Isn't that beautiful? Robert Weber said it this way. He said, the church is a kind of continuation of the presence of Jesus in the world. Jesus is not only seated at the right hand of the Father, but is visibly and tangibly present in and to the world through the church. This is an incarnational understanding of the church. It is a unique community of people in the world, a community like no other community because it is the presence of the divine in and to the world. Folks, I know that the church is going through a major shift right now. Not just, not just things changing at Grantham, but all over the country and all over the world. If Phyllis Tickle is right when she said every 500 years there's a reformation, folks, we're due one, and I think it's happening. We've not quite seen where all of this is going as things change in the culture and God is in some ways sifting his church, purifying his church. But you know what gives me hope? I believe in the God who says he works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We cannot go wrong in following Jesus. The Lord will see us through as a local congregation and a church in America. Are you a part of helping? Are you a part of complaining? Are you coming to the church and saying, what can the church do for me? Or are you coming to the church and say, how can we together make the church look more like Christ? What do I need to do? What is my stone in the building? What are my gifts to give? That's what we want to ask this morning as we respond to the Lord. Here's some questions to help us as we reflect together. Of the four G's, gather, grow, give, and go, which of these is the Spirit inviting you to engage and live into more fully? Or maybe you're doing a lot already. You know, we have a core of folks that do a lot here at the church, and maybe you need a fresh new experience with God. Maybe that's what it is. But for others, it may be time to step up and to engage in some of these ways. Which is it? Gather, grow, give, or go. How is the Spirit inviting you to engage and live into this more fully? Let the Spirit speak to you, church. And number two, what might it look like to respond to the Spirit's leading from a place of gratitude and grace instead of obligation? Isn't that wonderful? To respond out of a position of gratitude and grace, not out of duty or obligation. Think about God's grace. Think about God's love. Listen to the Spirit as He leads. And then lastly, number three, will you gather, grow, and give, and go 
with us at Grantham Church. Will you commit to that? Maybe there's some way the Lord is speaking to your heart this morning in this basic sort of routine. It is basic, but how often we forget it. We forget to gather, as the author of Hebrews says, so that we can grow and we can give and we can go and be all that the Lord wants us to be as individual disciples, but also as a local congregation. Folks, we can't do it without you. The Lord chooses not to do it without you. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this message. We thank you for how your Holy Spirit has been speaking. Lord, we open up our hearts and our minds to you now, and we just ask, speak, and have your way in us. Lord, some of us have been doing a whole lot. Maybe it's time for some folks to rest. But Lord, I'm guessing that there are there are others who need to, need to engage the gather, the grow, the give, and the go. Speak to us now, Lord. Your servants are listening. And give us the strength by the power of the Holy Spirit to respond in faithful obedience. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.